Well, good morning. I'm Pastor Jim. I've been... I'm excited about this family service day. In fact, I'm... Just a minute, I'm going to have some of our... some of our elementary age students come, come help me do this lesson. At least we'll get us, get us going. Before we start, I, I just want to... Uh, do a few quick announcements so that when the service is over, you don't have to listen to me talk. You can just go right out that door and get hamburgers and hot dogs. It's going to be great. I was a little concerned sitting in the front row with Pastor William, our, our Spanish pastor, when I saw that he had picked up one of the children's things and a pencil. Okay. I, I wasn't sure. You said. Okay. Hey, you know, of, of some of the folks who are up here on the stage, uh, some of them have just literally returned from Japan. Uh, Nick and Jordan and John Eric and Nicole and Haley and Danielle came back from a month of mission work in Japan. They are so excited about what happened there. They're excited about going back again. We are a very mission-minded church. That group just came back from, uh, from Japan. We've got a group that's going to Columbia in just two weeks. And then we'll, we're looking towards October when we really make our first uh, big presence known in, in Mexico. And I, Agua Calientes, I'll work on it too, is where we're going to go. Okay, I'm excited for that. Hey, I want to let you know that next Saturday, a week from yesterday, we're going to have a night of worship and prayer. Uh, Art and the praise team said, just, it doesn't matter. If it's summer, we want to worship the Lord. And what better time for us to get together than in a season like uh, this with change going on. So next Saturday, 7 o'clock, going to have some great worship like you experienced here this morning. And then some times of just really focused prayer, asking God to, to lead and direct and, and provide for us. I want to make you aware, just remind you, that after every service, an elder and some others will be there in the prayer room. If you just like some time of special prayer, uh, that's available to you. Uh, there's going to be a lot going on in the lobby. In fact, there's been a lot going on in the lobby already that you probably haven't noticed. Um, Paul Larratt, who happens to be an electrician and a member of our church, has, has practically lived in our lobby. In fact, he, he was there this morning till the wee hours. And he was drinking coffee like crazy this morning so he could be in church. Paul, I'm glad. I'm impressed that you're here, brother. Thank you. He's been doing some electrical wiring. There's going to be a big change. When you come next Sunday, or sneak preview Saturday night, if you come next Sunday, the lobby is going to look really different. It's part of an intentional, directed effort to make our lobby area more relational, to make sure that it's it's more than just a place you get a bulletin as you're headed into the big room, but it's a place where we can connect as a family and connect with those who are coming and visiting and worshiping with us. So there's going to be big changes. Is Lorraine, are you in? Okay, Lorraine, there. See that? There he is. Lorraine and that, that bright and flowery dress. Lorraine's going to be in the lobby this right after service. Uh, some of the furnishings that are out there, some of the window dressings, some of the things that are on the wall, uh, Lorraine knows the entire list. Uh, you can feel free to purchase, okay? She's going to sell them right to you if you would like. And you can go, wow, that hung in the lobby at Avalon Church. That, that could be yours, okay? So you, you see Lorraine. You see Lorraine after service, and, and that'll be a very special time. Thanks. And I want you folks to know that we are really blessed to have five elders who are faithful, praying men. Joseph, St. Helier, he opened this morning. We have five other men. Rich Dunn, Randy Hepner, Ryan Seipler, uh, and 
Rod Choi, who are praying diligently for what's going on in this season of transition. And I'm thankful for Pastor Art, who led our music, for Pastor William, our Spanish minister, for Pastor uh, John Malloy, who are all of those gentlemen are going to be sharing teaching opportunities with me throughout the summer. And we have some really exciting things we think to share with you over the summer. And I want to let you know that all of those elders, the names I just rattled off, and myself, we are always available to you. I'm here at the church every day, every day of the week, Monday through Friday. You, you want to talk, you want to pray, you want to ask questions, I, I and we are here for you. One final thing before we actually get into our message this morning. It's really hard to watch the news, isn't it? And to see that people believe it's important to kill other people to make some kind of point. And so my heart, your heart, I think, goes out for the people of London this morning. Uh, they've just been beat up this, this last couple of months. And I, I just want us to pray. Pray thankfulness that we, you walked in this morning without that threat. And then a prayer of just holding up that country and those first responders and, 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 and asking, I think, I'm just going to ask that the Lord remove his spirit over that country to let them know that his grace is enough and that there's hope. Please join me as we pray for London. Lord God, those are people that are way, way far away from us. And we, we read the news and it impacts us but it's still way, way far away. But Lord, bring it home to us this morning. Help us to be aware of the blessing of protection that we have. And, and, and with that comes a great responsibility to be fervent in prayer for people around the world that need you. And so we're praying for London and for those who are first responders, for the people that live there that, uh, that are full of confusion, at least, fear, probably, that, Lord, your spirit would hover over that city and, and would be uh, a messenger of hope to them, that they would know that even in the midst of incredible change and turmoil, you are still God, and your grace is enough, and our hope can be in you, and so can theirs. Thank you, Lord, for those people, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, John Wilcox, why don't you come on up here and let's get let's get my uh, my helpers, please. Okay, come on up here. That's Emma. Here comes Emma Gar, and I. I mean, and uh, Hannah Carrero, and come on up here, Joshua. This is good. Oh, uh, just okay. Good, good, and good. Okay, can can you hold that? You got that? Good man. Gee. This is John Wilcox. John Wilcox is one of our, uh, one of our many volunteers that, that works in the children's ministry. He, he knows these kids, you know, because this is his group, fourth and fifth graders. John's been faithful to this for a long time, and, and I, I just asked him as part of family day uh, to have John, and you just tell us a little bit about why you do what you do back there.
28 years ago, uh, right out of Phoenix, um, I started dating a girl named Lisa, and uh, she invited me to her church, and I said, what church did you go to? She said, oh, it's Homo Community Church. All right, I'll try it. Um, so I started going to church with her. Um, what was a shocking thing was um, her husband came and visited me.
Thank you, John, and Ingrid, and Karen, and Kathy, and the list goes on and on, but you can be part of that, and someday we'd love to have you standing up here telling us about children's ministry. Emma, would you please come read the scripture for us? I have got this microphone here, and, and we'll, uh, we'll adjust it to the height, which I don't know where you are. Oh, man. <laughs> See, I think, I think it's supposed to be shorter, and, and Emma... They just keep feeding her. <laughs> Folks, let's, let's read together with Emma, Galatians, the second chapter. Would you mind standing as she reads the scripture, please? The word of, thank you. Thank you. You may be seated. All right, you guys, let's, let's do a quick test. Test your mics. Say hi to your mom. Okay, good. All right. Let's imagine here, I've got this table. See, I'll try not to cut you off over there. Let's imagine we're going to talk about your family. All right? Here, here's, here's how it happens. You were born. And, and therefore, you became a child, fully loved, fully embraced by mom and dad, okay? And because you love them and are loved by them, you obey, right? Mom, dad, yeah, okay, that's how it works, okay? Okay, you're born, you're automatically a child, and, and then because you're fully loved and accepted, you obey. How about... I change the order. 
How about if mom or dad say to you, I'm glad you were born. Now, if you'll just really obey all the things, and I've got a list. If you'll just obey all the list, maybe I'll let you be my child. <laughs> what do you think about this order? So let me, what, do, what do you think? What's the problem when it's, when it's in this? Why are you doing this? Go ahead, Emma. Okay. What do you think about that, Joshua? You have to obey. You have to keep all the things, all the list, until another until your dad will accept you. You like that? No. Okay. I I get that. Okay. So, if this is the order, how do you know when you've done enough, Hannah? Yeah, you, you just never know, do you? A am I doing enough? I really want to be a daughter. I really do. And I really want to be loved and accepted. But I have to, I'm, how much is enough? I don't know. Well, okay. So you have cousins. You have some cousins that come to stay a week with you and go to Disney. Uh, and and uh, they're, they're from some other state. We could pick a few, but we won't. Okay. So they're visiting with you. And, and the first morning they're there, they go into the kitchen and fill a great big cup of coffee, and they're your age. Isn't that something? And they're, they're drinking their coffee, and they say to you, how come you don't drink any coffee? How come you're not having coffee this morning? What would you say to them? <laughs> You've obviously tried. The way your dad fixes coffee, you would hardly know it was coffee. <laughs> hey, Joshua, Joshua, yeah, why aren't you drinking coffee, Joshua? Uh, he's thinking, boy. He says, well, man, Hannah? Well, that explains a lot about their household. Okay, so what if these cousins, as they're holding their cup of coffee, as they're holding a cup of coffee, and they say to you, you know, you do know, don't you, that your mom and dad can't really accept you and love you if you don't drink a whole cup of coffee or more with them every morning. You know, they, you can't be accepted. What would you say about that? Good. You have to drink coffee before your mom or dad can accept you. What do you think, Joshua? A man of few words. Good. <laughs> Good choice. Hannah, you got to drink coffee or your mom can't accept you. Wow, man, 
I love it, man. She's good. Hey, let's talk about fear for a minute, okay? Because here's these cousins, and they're telling you things, and, uh, you know, you're, maybe you're a little bit afraid of them. Um, uh, so talk about fear. Have you ever been afraid or worried about what others might think or say about you? Yeah. Yeah, stuff like that happens, doesn't it? People, we're a little concerned about what people think and what other people might might say. Um, have, yeah. <laughs> have you ever been? Have you ever been so concerned about what someone might say? about you or that you did something you know wasn't right. Isn't this great? Mom and dad leaning forward. Oh, never mind. Okay. But you know that sometimes that's so powerful, isn't it? Isn't that okay? Let me ask you this. Have you ever known something is really right? You just, I just know. You know the difference. But in your head... But then you get put in a situation where, well, like the cousins, when they're saying something to you, and, and you, just, you just have to decide, and it's really hard. Have you ever known something was right here, but when it came time to actually have to do it, you kind of got a little worried here? Hannah, you look like you got... Yeah? Anything you'd care to share? No, okay. <laughs> That's works. That works. Let's pretend, let's pretend I'm your big brother. Okay? Any of you have older, no, I think you're all the, no, you do. You have an older, don't you, Joshua? You have an older sister. Uh, you ever fight with Abigail? No. Okay, good. Okay. <laughs> older brothers, older, older sisters. So I, I'm your older brother, and I come and I'm watching you because for whatever reason, you've started drinking this big cup of coffee every morning. Uh, and I ask you, what are you doing that for? And I said, well, you know, don't you? That cousins, they told us that unless we drink a cup of coffee, we can't really be accepted by mom and dad. Now, if I'm your older brother, which would you rather I do? Would you rather I, in front of everybody, say, well, that's just stupid. No, everybody knows you don't have to. What's the matter with you? Or would you rather that I said, you know, Mom and dad really already love you and accept you just the way you are. You don't have to drink coffee if you don't want to. Which one would you rather? Number the what? How come? Uh, use my. Okay. Huh? What do you What do you think, Emma? You were you're picking number two. How come? Okay. Because no one likes to be called out just in public, do they? Too much. All right. 
We're going to talk about Paul and Peter this morning, Cephas, when Emma was reading scripture, the Cephas is what some translations use, uh, and others would say Peter. Um, Peter and Paul, they're both famous men in the New Testament, I think probably you knew that, and they became followers of Jesus, but one day, Paul had to correct his brother Peter, not like real brothers, but brothers in the Lord, okay? And, and because Peter and Paul are both Jews, they had been taught the law. Do you have any idea what I'm talking about when I say the law? Ten Commandments. Okay, we're off to a good start. All right, the Ten Commandments was the foundation of the law that gets talked about. But then there was a bunch of other laws called clean laws. They were about certain foods and certain things you could or couldn't do if you wanted to be able to come before God. Like this. You couldn't eat bacon. What do you think about that? That's all right? Bacon, not a big deal? Okay. Dietary law, no bacon. Okay. How about this one? You can't touch a dead body. Does that bother anybody that you can't touch a dead body? No? You're okay with? Okay. All right. Not touching dead bodies. Okay. And then there was the Ten Commandments, and there was the clean laws, and then there were the sacrificial laws, because we've already figured out when you told me that nobody can be perfect. And so there had to be sacrifice for people trying, but not quite making it. Okay? Peter had heard Jesus talk about clean and unclean, and he kind of got some of it. And then Peter has this incredible thing happen to him that we're going to talk about in a few minutes, where he actually had a vision. God sent a vision and said, see all that stuff in that, in that, that big tarp? You can eat anything you want. Peter, oh, I'm not so sure. But he figured it out that God was trying to tell him that it wasn't only the Jews that could be saved, it was the hmm, Gentiles. Can any of you help me understand what a Gentile is? Joshua. Not a Jew. (laughs) And trust me, folks, that's exactly right. In God's economy, you were either a Jew or you weren't, and then we called you a Gentile, okay? And Peter knows and believes that so much, and he tells it to the church in Jerusalem, and they're excited, and then he goes to Antioch, and he starts eating with with the Gentiles, and it's all good until some people show up, and then it all falls apart. Hey, you guys did a great job. Thank you for helping me out. Thank you so much. Good. Nicely done. You know, it's the danger of live TV. But they're, they're great. So as you've rejoined your families, let's see if we can, you can find an application in what the Scripture says to us. I'd like to briefly talk about two aspects Uh, of this passage in Galatians, the gospel in order and the gospel in daily life. And next Sunday, we're going to observe the Lord's Supper, and before our observance together, I'd like to do part two, if you will, of this passage in Galatians and talk about the gospel in in my heart. But let's look look together at verses 15 and 16, uh, just in review. We ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners, yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, 
because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. Three times, three times Paul tells us no one can be justified, be put in good standing uh, by, with God by observing the law, a list of regulations, a list of things to do. And three times he highlights the indispensable requirement of placing faith, one's faith, in Christ Jesus. Paul's talking about the order of the gospel. And Paul's not saying that the law is bad at all. In fact, in Romans 7, 12, a big portion of the scripture in Romans where he talks about the law, he says, so then the law is holy and the commandment is holy, righteous and good. Paul's not discounting the law at all. He's just saying we need to make sure we don't misuse it as, uh, as a means to get acceptance and justification with God. And, and so he says there is an order to the gospel. And so we'll use our boxes. He says the order to the gospel is you believe. You place your faith in Jesus Christ alone. If you, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved, he tells us in Romans. And if you believe, you are saved. And then Paul says, because you have believed and you are fully accepted, fully loved, completely in God, then you will probably go ahead and keep the law. You'll keep it. But he says, we need to make sure we don't get the order incorrect because the circumcision group that we're going to learn about in a minute, when they showed up, because Peter was, Peter was living underneath this, he got this, he figured this out, right? I'm saying, I believe I've saved, and now I'm going to obey or comply with what is the written uh, principle and personality of God. I'm going to do that. But the circumcision group were Jewish leaders and teachers who believed, they actually, they believed in Jesus, they believed he was the son of God, they believed he died on the cross, was resurrected, he was the Messiah. They believed that, but they had to change the order of the boxes. And that's what they were bringing to the church in, in Antioch. They said, yes, by all means, you do need to believe in Jesus Christ. That's essential and critical. He's the Lord and the Savior. Oh, but you also need to keep the Ten Commandments and all the dietary laws and all the sacrificial laws. You need to keep circumcision being one of those ceremonial laws. You need to keep those two. Oh, and, and then, then you'll be saved. And Paul is arguing, he says there's a battle here with the order. We can't get it out of order any more than we would want the kids to have to, you know, they, they were not very happy with, uh, I'm born... Uh, I obey, and then I become a son or daughter, okay, any more than, than we would want. So he, Paul says there is a real challenge here to get the uh, gospel in order. Do you obey? And obey is a big, obey what? Well, obey the things you see in Scripture. Obey the things you sense you're supposed to do to be a good Christian, whatever that means, uh, you know, I come to church, I read my Bible, I pray, which are all good things. You know, Paul says all of those are great. He says, but why, why might you do them? Think, please, about the order. Do you, do you obey in order to be saved? Or are you saved and therefore you obey? Are you a child 
who's fully accepted by mom and dad, and therefore you generally obey their children, okay, just like we are, you know, or are you a child who was born into a family and you're working really, really hard to keep all of the rules, all of the dictates, so that maybe someday mom and dad will accept you as a son and a daughter? There's a big difference. I, I obey God. I obey so I'll be loved and accepted by God. Or I already am loved and accepted by God in Jesus, and therefore I obey. It's interesting that rather you're Paul or whether you're the circumcision group, the law shows up, we'll use the word obey, obedience shows up in either order. Because Paul says obedience is important, but it's not, it's not the path to get here. This is the proper order. What's wrong with this one? Why is this so challenging? Why is it such a difficult thing to be trying to please and appease God. Well, because it's anxious, just, just like Hannah said. I don't, I don't know if it's ever enough to make my mom happy. Same thing applies with us. If that's our mode, our means, our motivation, then what is enough? How many times coming to church? How, how big an offering? How long do I pray in order to please and appease God? It's, it, it'll make you anxious It'll make you selfish. Why am I obeying? I'm obeying so that I can be accepted, so that I can be, uh, I can be loved. I'm, you know, I'm working primarily for me. And it's a burden, and it's joyless. And I might even be angry sometimes that I have to do this in order to get God to do this. But if I obey because I have already gotten everything that I need in Jesus as a gift, I didn't have to do anything to earn it, nothing to warrant it. I placed my faith in Jesus and what he did for me on the cross, and it's given to me as a gift. I already have all the love. I already have all the intimacy. I already have all the acceptance that I need. Kurt Katanaugh was talking about this at the men's breakfast yesterday. He was talking, if you saw the Facebook picture of, of his uh, little iceberg and the 10% above and the 90% below, and the 10% is doing, the 90% is being, and, and Curtis says, I'm on a journey of understanding and growth that that 90% is the most important part of the whole 100% uh, of understanding that because I believed I'm, I'm already saved and I just sit in the middle of that and, and the awesomeness of the gift of intimacy and, and, and acceptance and value that I have and out of that comes things that I may do. If I am living out of the gift that I already have, then I'm living out of an overflow of a full heart. Because really, when I have the order wrong and I'm trying to do, do, do so that God will love me, I'm, I've I'm trying to fill that emptiness. But if I understand, believe, saved, accepted, loved, then out of a full heart, I will obey. Which means I'm not obeying anymore. I'm not doing things for my sake. Boy, I need to do that so God will accept me. Instead, I'm, going, I'm already accepted and loved by God. I'm doing this for God's sake. I'm doing this for my neighbor's sake. And it changes the dynamic. When you become a Christian... 
by placing your faith in Jesus, you're crucified with Christ. We got that in verse 20. And you're raised, we're raised with him, and, and something incredible happened there at the cross. Tim Keller puts it this way. Tim Keller says, at the cross, God treated Jesus as if he had done everything you have done. God looked at Jesus on the cross, and he saw Joseph and Curtis and Jim and, and Kathy and, De and everything you've ever done that's evil or regretful. God looked, treated Jesus just like he had done those very things. And God treats you as if you have done everything Jesus has done. And that's not heresy. That's, that's the teaching uh, of Paul, especially that, that when I'm in Christ, I, I was crucified with Christ, I'm raised with Christ, I'm in Christ, and God treats me, sees me, accepts me as if I've done everything Jesus has done. Tim Keller goes on, all the honor, all the glory that Jesus deserves, you get to share in. It's Pastor Tim says it's like, it's like medals, military guys, you know. When we greet each other in, in uniform, in our dress uniforms, uh, we, did two, we do two things. Well, I did two things. I, I looked at your name, and I was really glad you had that so I could call you by name. And I looked at your medals, your ribbons, to see if mine were bigger than yours. Okay, just because those were a representation of what I had participated in or what I had directed or led. They were acknowledgments and recognitions of things I had done. And Tim Keller says, Jesus has a whole chest full of medals and he pins them on your chest. And now when people see you, they see that big row of medals that's given to you and me by Jesus. And all the honor and all the glory that he deserves, he puts on us. And now we live knowing that's how, that's how he honors us. It changes the way we behave, be, behave. This year is the 500th anniversary of Martin Luther's nailing of his 95 thesis to the door of the Wittenberg Castle Church. The Reformation started 500 years ago because this was the order that Martin Luther had it in as a monk. And as he was reading and wrestling over Romans, the opening chapter of Romans, he came to this incredible realization that that's not the order at all. This is the order. And it revolutionized the Christian world. Okay, the gospel in daily life. Let's take a look at verses 11, and four, 11 to 14, please. But when Cephas, Peter, came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, from the church in Jerusalem, he was eating with the Gentiles, which we've already had defined for us as not Jew. But when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him, so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter, Cephas, before them all, if you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles 
to live like Jews. Peter, good Jew, endeavoring to keep the Ten Commandments, fully aware of all the clean and unclean laws, participated in sacrifices all of his life. And then he, he walks with Jesus. And in those three years, Jesus just rocked his world when he kept declaring things like, there's no longer a need for sacrifice. I'm, that's going to be fulfilled in me. All those laws about clean, necessary to come before a holy God, don't need to do those anymore either because they're fulfilled in me. He said, and besides, it's not, it's not what you, goes into a man, bacon. You know, it's not what goes into a man that makes him unclean. It's what's already there that comes out is the issue. Jesus is talking about the law in a whole different way, and Peter's starting to grasp it. Okay, okay. Then Jesus dies resurrected, uh, meets them before he ascends, and, and the church starts in Acts, the second chapter. And by Acts, and it's all Jews, Jewish believers, Jewish coming, Jews coming to know Jesus. But all of a sudden, Paul shows up, and he starts, he starts ministering to the Gentiles. And Peter, he's one of the big leaders. He's one of the apostles, one of the intimate three of Jesus. He needs, he kind of forgot what Jesus talked about, and so he needed another reminder. And so in Acts 10 and 11, uh, there's a Roman centurion named Cornelius who says, send for Peter. He's got something for you. And, and a message comes from, from God to Peter that says, I need you to go see Cornelius, the Gentile. And Peter says, no bueno. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't do Gentiles. I'm a, good, I'm a good Jew. And God gives him this vision with all these animals in this big tent, this big drape, and says, pick eat anything you want. And Peter, no, man, look, there's a whole bunch of unclean stuff in there. And God says, what I have proclaimed clean is clean. Okay, so between listening to Jesus and the big vision, Peter got it. Not just about the, the I can actually eat bacon now, but he got the big picture that Jews and Gentiles were all equally sinful before God and were all equally saved in the grace of Jesus Christ. There is none different. And he, God doesn't show favoritism. And Peter embraced that and took it and went to Antioch and started eating with the Jews, I mean the Gentiles, until the circumcision people showed up and he withdrew because he got a little intimidated and all of a sudden this became a factor in his life. I'm afraid of what they're saying. I'm afraid of what they're thinking. And he withdrew from them. And Paul comes up to Peter and looks at him in the eye in a public domain and says, you have forgotten the gospel. Now, nobody likes to be confronted like that, but Peter, you have forgotten the gospel, Peter. Now, did Peter forget the gospel? No, he didn't forget the gospel. He knows it like you know the gospel. Jesus was born of a virgin, lived, died on the cross, buried three days, resurrected from the good. Okay, it's through Jesus and Jesus alone. Okay, we all know that gospel Peter hadn't forgotten that, but Paul says that's you've forgotten the gospel because it's not playing out in your life. If it has no implication in life, you've forgotten the gospel. It's more than just the formula, if you will. It's the actual, it's the, it's the laying out of life. He says the gospel is not just a brick that gets put here and then a whole bunch of bricks are built alongside it to build the spiritual life. He says it is the brick and every other brick builds on it. He says it's more like, a, it's like the spoke of a wheel. 
It says the gospel's right in the center of it, and it reaches out and it touches every element of life, every element of daily life, and it holds it all together. The gospel is not a basic elementary teaching. It is the essence of how I conduct life. Peter, you forgot the gospel. You need to apply the implication of the gospel and quit being a racist. Because that's kind of what he was doing. Imagine Paul was right here right now. Imagine Paul, I mean, I, and he wants to confront you and me. Imagine Paul is right here and he's asking you these questions. Is the way you do your work and conduct your career in line with the gospel? I don't know, I never thought about that. And Paul might be saying to you, no, it's not. Is the way you spend your money in line with the gospel? Are your relationships in line with the gospel? Paul, I don't, th I don't read it. I don't see it through that lens. And Paul says, we need to see it through that lens. He says, the gospel lives in daily life. Have you forgotten the gospel or does it, has, does it have impact? Uh, are your relationships in line with the gospel? Is the way you treat your wife, husband, and children in line with the gospel? Is how you think and deal with your past, is it in line with the gospel? The ways you were dealing with Pastor Dale's recent resignation, is it in line with the gospel? The gospel affects everything. Isn't it interesting that Paul does not address Peter's behavior? Paul doesn't come up and say, you were eating with the, the Gentiles, now you're not. Start eating with the Gentiles. Come on. That's what the gospel demands. Do this. And Paul doesn't do that. Paul goes right for the heart of the matter. Instead of trying to correct the behavior, Paul goes right to Peter and says, do you love the gospel? You know I love the gospel. Well, then live in accordance with the gospel. Don't forget the gospel. The big brother didn't come and confront him about his behavior. The big brother came and said, it's already there. Live out of it. So that's the end of part one. The gospel in order. The gospel in daily life. And next week we'll look at the gospel in your heart. As we close, I'd like you to consider this. That if you are, if you have not placed your faith in Jesus, if you have not believed, then you've not experienced what it's like to be saved and accepted, to have intimacy and to have the love of God in your life. And oh, by the way, it'll probably play out in the way you live. If you've not, I would invite you as we stand to just kind of stare at the boxes and and ask God to open your eyes to the gospel in the right order in your life. And if we are believers, which most of us probably are this morning, and we've placed faith in Jesus, maybe the question might be, have you forgotten the gospel? Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus for dying on the cross for us so that we could place faith in what you did, faith and faith alone in you and you alone, to receive a gift of salvation, justification, acceptance, intimacy, love, 
everything we would ever need filling that void within us so that we could live it out and glorify you in the doing. Thank you, Jesus. It's in your name.